Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. Welcome, everybody, to Table Flip, Episode 3. I am one of your hosts, Bazil Patrick Cannon, and with me, as always, is Talk to Mish Matt. I don't remember your last name. I feel terrible. And uh, we have Catracel, and I still cannot remember your first name because I'm an awful host. So Nate. Nate. See, I wanted to call you Bob for some reason. <laughs> so between the two of us, you had almost both. I did. Yes, I did. I did. And we're going to be talking about the neutral sets this week and some of the spoilers that were uh, – posted on the ffg boards it'll be interesting i'm looking forward to this one so how are you guys doing uh, anything uh kind of creep up uh over the week past couple weeks in uh your play testings or anything guys um i've been messing with some jedi decks that's basically been all i've been doing awesome matt how about yourself uh i've actually done some experimenting with light side decks uh, i was using your uh Jedi Control deck, I used that a couple games. Cat and I actually played on Friday and tried it out, and then I played like six or seven games against my friend Ben yesterday. So I was experimenting with that deck, and also a uh, Rebel Hoth deck. And then, other than that, Dark Side, I've just been using the Big Red Bus. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, um, I myself have been experimenting with a couple of new decks, but we'll get to that later in deck talk. Um, I know that uh, me and Catcher have been playing a while, a lot with the uh, that one Jedi deck that we've been uh, trying to uh, develop and see if it would actually work, it's halfway decent. But uh, this week is going to be mainly about the neutral sets, which are not very much used in decks. I mean, we have uh, Recon Mission, which usually is used a lot in some of these Sith control decks and some of the Navy decks. But for the most part, the rest of the neutral decks really aren't used for that much. So let's kind of go over some of the ones that we actually don't see, if ever, uh, what one do you guys want to start off with? Do you guys want to start off with uh, kind of a goofy one, or you guys want to start off with like a super serial one? Uh, I see. We start with the goofy one. Goofy yeah, one it is. All right. So, I think the first goofy one should be rumors at the cantina. Oh, I heard a rumor about that one. I know, right? Just it's, <laughs> and you know, I think a lot of people would say, well, why not start off with um, the echo base defense or maybe tribal support since those are you know, not even mentioned in anyone's vocabulary. But, I mean, in all honesty, um, the main reason for running Rumors at the Cantina or looking for droids, really, I, I get, they're, they're both kind of the same thing, is really to kind of splash uh, a tricolor deck. And if Magic has taught me anything, you never do that. <laughs> it's just something you don't do, at least when I played Magic. Uh, the cards that we have in here are, are, are somewhat decent. I mean, there's... There's some decent mixture in here. Uh, the Rebel Sympathizer isn't terrible. He's mainly just used for a sacrifice. And uh, Rescue Mission, I think, really is the only really solid card in the entire set. Um, as far as looking for droids, that has, a lot, I think, a lot better setup than Rumors at the Cantina because of the Viper Repair Droid, which has a reaction that allows you to play it from the graveyard for for its cost, which is only two, and it has an objective damage. So you basically can keep cycling through these your, the entire game and just really, really annoy your opponent, opponent with them. Um, Dark Alliance isn't bad, but that's just kind of edge fodder, really. I mean, that allows you to play 
units without resource requirement matches. And then It's Worse is also kind of an interesting card, which uh, interrupts an effect that would be an interrupt. So say if someone plays Counter-Stroke, you can interrupt Counter-Stroke and then deal damage to a target enemy unit, which is really, really nice. It's kind of like Lightsaber Deflection with an interrupt. Um, do you guys really see any usefulness in these um, objective sets right now? Uh, not right now. I think you might see rumors at the cantina get a little bit of play if um, uh, scum decks, capture decks, start to pan out more. Mm-hmm. But the whole resource match requirement thing, eh, that's, that's nice, but what would you, you know, how would you build a deck that, that was running, like, all the different affiliations and having to add that pot in? I think it would just weaken it more. Right, right. No, no, I, I would agree. Matt, uh, your thoughts? Um, I think sometimes people think of these sets as kind of, you know, just using all three affiliations, and really there's no reason not to use it when you're running two. Like, I really, I do like Common Ground in the Rumors of Cantina for the light side because it makes your objective provide any affiliation. So, you know, in those rare times when you're playing a mixed deck and either your opponent's smart and takes out your one smuggler's objective you had out or whatever, you could use this to still be able to play those units. I mean, that's useful. Rescue Mission, it's like Ket said, you know, if capture becomes a thing, that card's great. And, I mean, it lets you play the card for free that you rescue too. So, I mean, depending on what was captured, it could be something really good. Um, The... Looking for droids, I do like It's Worst, just because it interrupts an interrupt, which I think is a nice little effect. And I like the the cohesion between the two sets with It Could Be Worse and It's Worse. Mm-hmm. But uh, those Viper Probe droids, where you can play them from your discard pile, with the Sith seem to be getting this kind of like sacrifice thing that we've seen with some previews, like uh, the Executor, yeah. which comes out on Escape from Haw, and Viper Probe droid could be a unit you sacrifice and then you can still play it again because even though it's in your discard you can play as if it's in your hands so i mean maybe that could see play because of that i don't know right depends on how much this whole sacrifice thing really goes yeah no i can i can definitely agree to that it, it i think time will definitely definitely tell um but i kind of want to try something here uh, on a scale of one to five how how would you rate these pods or not pods excuse me objective sets um on kind of five being useful, and you'll see them in play. To one, you'll probably never see them in play. I would give rumors at the cantina about a two, two and a half. You okay. might see it. I would give looking for droids um, probably a solid three. Um, again, if what. Matt was saying the the sacrifice thing takes off. Mm-hmm. It, it might it might be an actually very good objective set to have in that type of deck. Okay, uh, Matt, what about you? I'm gonna give rumors at the cantina th- a three, just because I do like common ground and rescue mission, and looking for droids. I don't know. It. I guess it does have two Viper Pro droids, and it's worse. I'd give it. I'm gonna give them both a three. I think we're eventually going to see them. It's just not yet. Okay. Uh, I, me personally, I don't think we're gonna see rumors of the of the cantina being played probably for a while. I could be wrong. We could have some weird 
deck that comes out with smugglers and spies, and it's just like, oh, this is viable now. Um, but I, I personally am going to give that a one for now, just because I, I really don't see it ever coming into um, play at this at, at the current state. And uh, Viper Probe Droids, I, I definitely really, really, I enjoy the set itself because it has a lot of really good cards. But that's probably going to stay at about three as well. Uh, I'll probably have to agree with Matt on that one. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's neutral sets are just in a really really weird spot, especially these two. I, I think these two are the ones that are just like. Why are these in my collection of cards? Like, <laughs> I got, I, I, I don't understand. And, and then you know we have the Espo Trooper deck, which is five units that don't cost anything that have one edge dependent pistol, and you're just like, uh, I'm gonna not play this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ewoks are uh, another objective set where I really feel that they, they still have potential, but I think that. A well-placed force choke, I think, really would probably seal the deal of of the Ewoks. But then again, we have the enhancements and events that really do a really really nice job with it. Um, like I, I really don't want to go too much in depth onto uh, some of these neutral sets, but I, I think that Ewoks will see their time eventually. I, I really think that they're going to come into a good good kind of synergy with the uh, smugglers and spies uh, the way that they work. Um, do you guys have any uh, thoughts on? Uh, the tribal support set. I've actually used the tribal support set in a deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like back during you know just core set days, right. and the Ewok Scout are actually pretty good because you can use them to force your opponent to you know, keep something big back at home, basically. And I mean, Log Trap with its you know whole you can place one focus token on attacking unity controls is great. And Yub Yub, I I like it. It's just there's not enough Ewok units to be able to use it to you know discard a target enhancement. But being able to get rid of an enhancement, I mean, even if it's something just like a Sith library, just to slow down Sith, that could be useful. But the the common opinion with this set is that since there's only this one set and you can only have one, there's just not enough Ewoks yet. Yeah. So I think eventually. We'll probably end up seeing, you know, an Endor cycle or something maybe, and then this one will really shoot up. Okay. Uh, Nate, what about yourself? I completely agree. Okay. That's <laughs> simple enough. Um, now, as far as the uh, – I think we can all agree that, the, that this objective set will probably be, end up being uh, three, three to four out of five in all honesty because it, it does have a lot of good play potential, but – like Matt said, it's just it's not there yet because there's only one objective set with Ewoks, and you can only have one of it in your deck, which just boggles my mind. It's like, why can't I have two? It would just make it so much more awesome. Um, would you guys disagree with that at all? No, I think if, if you could have two of them, it would make it better currently. I think, too, that when there's eventually more Ewoks ever, mm-hmm. that the objective set is gonna see play. Yeah, definitely. I, I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, the next objective set that we're, I'd like to go over real quickly and just kind of give it a honorable mention is the wilderness, or not the the wilderness survivals one, which is let me pull this out here is Echo Base Defense, which has some really interesting cards, some actually really strong cards. Uh, wilderness Fighters. It's a three for two cost, which isn't terrible. 
and it gives objective damage, but you have to win the icon or the, the icon, the edge battle. Um, but the I think what makes this objective set shine really well is the sub zero defense, which um, destroy the first unit to strike against, excuse me, a friendly Hoth objective. I mean th that that really kind of forces the dark side player to go, okay, uh, what do I do because I only have Vader and Palpatine, so that forces me to sit back even on defense further. Or mm -hmm. and I can yeah. I can really speak to that because I was playing a game against um, Matt earlier in the week where he had out Sub Zero defenses. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there with a with a Vader with his saber and. I keep passing the turn because <laughs> I can't strike with Vader. I'm like, I could be picking your guys off left and right, but I would have to kill Vader because I just didn't have enough stuff to, you know, push through the sub-zero defenses. And it was like, wow, I dislike that card greatly right now. Now, Matt, was uh, was that a, a Hoth deck that you were running? Yeah, it's an all-Hoth deck. Okay. And uh, so all my objectives were Hoth. And... Uh, I had Sub-Zero Defenses out against Ket, and then I did it against last night against my friend Ben, and I had Sub-Zero Defenses out, and he didn't um, he didn't read my Sub-Zero Defenses, so he attacked with Vader, and oh, Vader went smush. No. And he's like, wow, that is a really good card. Because he, yeah. he, he has all the cards too, but he uh, well, you had know, forgotten about that one apparently. And I was like, it's a really good set. And then I was like, wait a minute, it's only one copy of Sub-Zero Defenses. And I was, went through my card, I was like, oh, there's two. That is a really good set. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that that's what makes this uh, neutral set a little bit more prominent than uh, some of the other ones that are, are limited once per, to one per deck. Because they do have two copies of uh, each of the Sub-Zero Defense and then three copies of the Wilderness, Defense, uh, Wilderness Fighters. So I think that if more single objective set um, were like this, I think that uh, it would make a little bit. I think it'd make people a little bit more uh, more inclined to actually play a neutral set that only allows for for one per deck because it's really annoying to say, "Wow, this is a great set," but I can't really count on getting these cards out of my you know 50 cards I have in my deck just for that one to two cards because it's, it's it's a little bit more kind of risk reward type of thing. Um, rating wise, Matt, w what would you give this one? Um, uh, I'm gonna say a four. Okay. Uh, Nate, how about yourself? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it about a four. It, it definitely has its its place in current decks. Okay. Uh, yep. I would I would definitely definitely agree with that. Hopefully, once the uh the next couple of force pack comes out, we'll we'll have some really really nice hoth decks. Uh, I think the last one that I really want to cover um is the pull it out here. Shadows on Ice, which is another limited one per, uh, per deck, but it comes with some really, really great cards. Uh, Nate, is there anything particular that you enjoy about this set, um, more so than, say, like Recon Mission or the... Um, actually, no, the Recon Mission is really the only one that uh, the Sith use. Um, so what would be like the, the benefits to, to playing this one over Recon Mission? Um, I like this one a little bit better in certain situations in Recon Mission because of the Wampa. Mm -hmm. Um, since it's not your Hoth objectives in play, right. it counts your opponents too. And the Wampa is very good against vehicle-based decks because it has three damage capacity and two um, non-edge-dependent blaster mm -hmm. unit icons. Um, so 
it by itself can take a lot of heat from a, a vehicle deck and absorb it and then still strike back. Um, and succumb to the cold is pretty good. <laughs> um, it's it's very good against um, Luke. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that they don't get him refreshed on uh, your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, the The requiring a Hoth objective in play under your control can sometimes come to bite you because there's not many um, dark side Hoth objectives that see play right. currently. But if you have one in play, it's a, it's a pretty good card. And then Battle of Hoth is nice. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, Matt, what about your thoughts on uh, this particular objective set? Would you have anything to add to that little nicely worded statement? Not really. I mean, I have used this one for a brief time in my uh, Sith control deck, and it, I really, really like the Wampa. But uh, the rest of it I didn't find I used all too often. Um, do you feel that it could potentially see more play once the Dark Side gets some more Hoth objectives? Or do you think it's uh, kind of uh, too much of a risk-reward uh, objective set? I think once there's more Hoth objectives and like in a Hoth focused deck, it could see more play just because you could potentially get the Wampas out for free. And I mean, a three cost unit with two non edge dependent unit damage from three health is, you know, a great thing to have out for free right. against any deck. Okay. No, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, so I think we can probably safely rate this about three and 3.54. Um, just because it does still have the potential to be in certain control decks and certain aggro decks. Um, would you guys disagree with that at all? I agree. I would say another plus of, of the objective set as a whole is that the objective itself has um, two resources, which is a, a plus. Okay. okay. All right. Cool. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, Matt, the last one that I think that we really need to cover in like in-depth-wise is probably prep for battle. This objective set has been in so many different types of decks that it's not even funny. I think this is the most used uh, neutral set besides Recon Mission um, in, in the entire game. So what what's the benefits of this pod, and do you think that we will ever see this in a, a deck again? Preparation for battle in a deck again? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's in a lot of light side decks right now just because of the whole shield thing. And I've got it in my uh, my Hoth deck, and mm-hmm. I do like it. But the problem is, if you don't have it out, it's really not that great. You need the objective out for its benefit, and a smart opponent is going to see preparation for battle and focus on destroying that. Yeah. So I, I think it paints a pretty big target on it. But then again, if you've got that out, and you have something like prepare for evacuation, which triggers off a Hoth objective's even play, I mean... There seems to be a lot of Hoth synergy they're trying to sh- give us, mm-hmm. so I can see them all working well together. Um, it's not that I don't like the objective set, I'm just not sure how much I like it yet. I, I've only had it out when playing with it, like, two games, I think, because it just didn't come up otherwise. Right. Yeah, th- I think that that something is... It, it's just... It really is just kind of, okay, you either get it or you don't get it. And if you get it on, like, say, after one of your objectives is destroyed, you're just kind of like, eh, not really going to be 
that impressed because really the 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 real, I think the strongest point of this set is the if the dials at four or lower, shielded units can't take any damage whatsoever. Now they can still be tactics, um, but they can't be killed or anything. So you can freely send your Twi'lek loyalist to till it's blue in the faith until the Death Star dials at five, and no, no one can can hurt them. So I mean it's I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I'm not really inclined to really like put it in any of my decks yet. Um, Nate, do you have any other opinions on this? Like like do you see uh, some potential that we're possibly missing? Um, I I think it has its spot in decks. I think it's good if you're able to get the benefit from having multiple shielded units. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you have it in combination with um, Ceresu training or with the Guardians of the Peace that add extra shields to other units, and you can get more benefit out of the shield boost that preparation gives. But if you don't have preparation for battle in play, it's kind of useless. Right. Um... I think that the stronger of the abilities is actually the second one, where you get extra blast damage when the dial's eight or higher okay. to your shielded units, because it helps you close out games. Of course. Because usually once the dial is starting to get up to the eight to ten range, the dark side player tends to be more aggressive in their play and leaves open the, the attack backs on the light side player's turn. And so I think that ability gives the light side player a little bit more of an advantage in that scenario. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, but, I mean, again, it really is only beneficial if you have the objective set it out, and if you're able to actually get shields on your units, which is something, another another thing that I think is just really kind of hard to do, because you, I mean, you can put two two sets in here, but the unfortunate part is, is if you don't have any shields, then the effect just doesn't take effect at all. So I think it's uh, it is one of those objective sets that's really risk reward um, heavy because you need a certain other triggering condition for it to actually take effect. Um, I know that there's a couple other pods that synergize well with it. Sensors are placed. Uh, Leia's po uh, uh, objective set also does that, and um, it's. I think we'll eventually see possibly like a Hoth shield deck or whatever you want to call it. That's just like constantly throwing shields everywhere and you're just constantly getting, you know, your units aren't getting hurt or they're just surviving longer or whatever. Um, but I think at the current state of the game, it really just is too much risk reward. And right now, a Hoth rebel deck really doesn't have a lot of potential because it just relies on too much uh, setup for it to really do anything. Yeah, I think one of the things, too, that, that is kind of interesting and almost a tangent to what we're talking about is a lot of what we're talking about is saying, okay, in Hoth decks, and I think that that um, synergy of the Hoth-based stuff is kind of nice. And it'll be nice to see in the future if um, like we get Endor decks versus Hoth decks right. as opposed to necessarily like light side, dark side mm -hmm. just splits. I think that's going to be interesting to see in the future. Okay. Uh, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Uh, Matt, any final so thoughts on this objective set? One other thing I like about the objective set and one of the main reasons other than it being Hoth I put in this deck is I was trying to make it like a speeder deck and mm -hmm. it does have the two 
AAC-1 spear tanks, both of which are speeders, but other than the fact that they have shielding, I don't really find they're that great of a unit because their one tactic is edge dependent. Yeah. And one thing I noticed in the games I played this deck, I had a heck of a time winning any edge battle. Yeah, Rebels are just... Eh, good luck winning an edge battle with Rebels. I mean, unless you can, I don't know, somehow win with Admiral Akbar, but then again, that's kind of a waste because you'd rather get him with unit damage and, you know, attack with a Battlefield Engineer, and your opponent's like, oh, let it go through, and you're like, I'm going to pay three in tactics, two people. So, yeah, winning edge with the Rebels, I think everyone knows, is just next to near impossible. It's it's just, it's a pain in the butt. Um, so, go ahead. Especially if you're playing Ketrasel and he has a Twist of Fate in his hand every single edge battle. <laughs> which I only he had did. four Twist of Fates in my hand that game. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's very frustrating. But Okay, so Matt, well, how would you rate this uh, this set here? Um, I'm going to give this one a solid four. It's, it's a really good set, and it's, I mean, certainly done well for people since it came out. And, I mean, it, it pretty much overnight put Rebels on the map and also it uh changed up jedi slightly in that uh they made that uh i think somebody called it the blue man group deck where you have jedi with shields as opposed to using something like you know the guardians or mm-hmm. old ben spirit to keep them out so it's it's a good set i just i wonder if over time people are going to move away from it just because without the objective itself out the rest of the cards i don't really think work as well without that objective in play that's fair that's fair uh, Nate, I would actually give it a five, just oh. because I feel like that objective set allows you to build decks off of it, as opposed to it being added to decks. I think is what makes it a little bit better, in in my opinion. Okay, all right, and, and also it's uh, it's one of the key components in your untouchables deck, which you just like. <laughs> I'm like this deck's so awesome, and you just gotta use it, and then you're like, this deck's bad because it's terrible. <laughs> So yeah, but by, by bipolarism by by uh, Catracel, I like that. Exactly. And I I'm probably just gonna give it a four, just because I don't think that the risk reward potential for the objective set itself is worth giving it a five. Again, it is a very very good set. I just don't think it's there yet. So, um, and then really the last two that are you know that we haven't covered is gonna be reconnaissance mission and. Uh, the other one draws my my memory for some reason. Uh, hit and run. Hit and run. Thank you. There we go. Hit and run. Uh, see, I don't even use the darn thing. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, they both are objective sets with three extra fate cards. Uh, one of each, tar- twist of fate, target of opportunity, and a heat of battle, which is going to, you know, obviously give you more fate cards, which is going to help you win the edge battle just a little bit more. You can't really go wrong with that. Now, the difference between both of these objective sets is the hit and run only has four HP. But it has a really, really nifty effect where uh, if you win the... I don't remember off the top of my head. I feel really, really terrible. Who has it? I've got it. Okay, read it off. Reaction. After you win an edge battle, ask the attacker, deal one damage to the engaged objective, limit once per turn. There we go. So it's basically a free target of opportunity after you win the edge battle. So don't put this in a rebel deck because you'll never use it. But... <laughs> uh, I think this would go well with a Jedi and a Smugglers and Spy deck, but there's really no point in putting it in there yet because there's other pods, or damn it, other objective sets that can uh, benefit you more. So, But the thing about Hit and Run is we do have the um, 
what's she called? The Secret Informant, which allows you to use Fate cards twice once they're placed. Now, uh, Fantasy Flight has confirmed that you cannot use Twist of Fate twice <laughs> in the edge battle, which would just be like, I'm going to Twist of Fate, and you have another edge battle, sucker. No, it's uh, if you play Target of Opportunity or Heat of Battle, it uh, goes off twice. So if you play three Target of Opportunities, that's six damage to an objective. And you're just like, so I just kill off the objective no matter what happens. Or you play two Heat of Battles, that's four damage across whatever unit. So that's a dead Vader, a dead Palpatine, or whatever. Um, and then, of course, we have Recon Mission, which um, is the human replica droid, which allows you to place him in the engagement for free after you win the edge battle, which um, his icons are an edge-dependent unit damage and an edge-dependent edge objective damage, which would obviously give him the use of both of those abilities. So that, that's something really, really fun to do. Say you attack with the duty officer, and your opponent's like, sure. And you're like, okay, I'm going to play two human replica droids or one and boom you have objective damage up up the butt so uh i think i think both of these objective sets are probably a five just because of their versatility and the amount of decks that they're actually able to go into now again hit and run i don't think as is as viable but uh do you guys agree or disagree I completely disagree about Hit and Run. I think it is completely worthless. Okay. <laughs> um, mainly because uh, Dark Side generally has an easier time winning edge battles mm -hmm. because they generally can have more cards in hand. They also tend to have more Twist of Fates in a deck to cancel out your um, Fate cards. Mm -hmm. So the ability of the, the secret informant, you know, if they're even ever allowed to live, because <laughs> I would I would force choke a secret informant right, as soon as it hit the hit the board if I could. Um I think the PA or objective set oh, you guys are getting me saying it now. Um <laughs> it I don't see it being good currently. Um and I don't think it has as much potential to be played in the future as um, objective sets like Shadows on the Ice mm -hmm. and Preparation for Battle. Okay. Uh, on the flip side, Reconnaissance Mission is hands down the best neutral set. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just you know, so. uh, you know, uh, I just kind of feel like Fantasy Flight was like, hey, let's make the dark side just have a complete advantage over the light side for, like, the first year of the game. And we'll see if people stick around with it. Like, I'm just like, I don't understand some of the cards that the dark side get. But you know what? It's You're still able to win as the light side pretty efficiently, even if they're some of the cards in the dark side. is just like, wow, that's just retarded. <laughs> but, oh well. Um, Matt, would you agree with Catchersell on Hit and Run, or do you have a differing opinion? I've never used Hit and Run myself. And well, screw I, you guys then. Jeez. <laughs> I can see its use even for Rebels because it gives you those three Fate cards, mm -hmm. which, like I said, the Rebels have a hard time winning as battles, so it could help. Secret Informant, though, it's it's like Kedrosel said. I mean, it could be completely null and void. It also only has one damage capacity, which makes it pretty weak. And the the, the main difference for me between these two sets is... Really, they're the same set card-wise, but the objectives are completely different. Reconnaissance mission is always useful. Oh yeah, it, you don't have to you know activate it for lack of a better word. Whereas hit and run, you have to 
winning edge battle just to get to work. Well, if you've got this in Rebels, you, guess what? You've probably lost the edge battle, so hit and run sitting there useless and getting blown up pretty early in the game, possibly. So there's a huge difference between the two, despite their similarities for their cards, no, just yeah. because of the actual objective themselves change things so much. Like Reconnaissance Mission is just really, really good, because I know Ketrasel's got in his... Uh, Sith deck that I played against on Friday night, and he had it all almost every time. And that you know, it's only one extra card, so it doesn't seem like much, but you know, one extra card over a few turns, it all adds up. Yeah, catch yourself. How many uh, Twisted Fates do you have in your deck? Uh, five. And I was <laughs> thinking of going to seven. Sweet. Do it up, <laughs> buddy. Just be like, yeah, I have seven, seven Twisted Fates <laughs> in my hand. So you know, you can guarantee you that I'm probably gonna have a Twisted Fate. Every single edge battle we do for the next four turns. So the, the funny thing is, I don't think Twist of Fate is that good. No, it's not. I just, it's a... It just it's so useful right it's now. It's such a it's okay, small small rant here. It's such a stupid card. Like <laughs> why why would you put a a card that cancels a a very kind of important strategic point of this game? outright without even caring because you can go oh okay well i have a twist of fate and five other cards so i'm gonna play three cards and a twist i'm gonna play three cards plus a twist of fate and i still have palpatine and advisor of the emperor and i already have palpatine on the field or something and your opponent puts all of his hand down going okay i have more cards than him i'm obviously gonna win and you're like nope twist of fate go screw yourself and he's just like well <laughs> okay fine then i mean it's just i i understand why it's there because it's more of a i don't want to say gambling issue because it's technically not gambling it's more of like a it's more it's more of a, a poker thing but in all honesty twist of fate like i don't care if someone knows i have a twist of fate i'm gonna put down two cards regardless they're probably gonna put down two cards regardless and it's gonna be a twist of fate and so they're gonna be like oh well i just wasted yoda and now i don't have anything and i'm screwed and <laughs> another issue i have is the dark side has way more it has more access to twist of fate cards than the light side does which i think is really really unfair personally because uh the most twist of fates that the light side can get is i think four if, if my memory serves correctly because it's something close to that i mean yeah it, it's i know it's not six I, I think it really is only four and that's the entire access where dark side like you said can have seven <laughs> i mean yeah it's, it, it's not necessarily a good deck that has seven but it it's a quirky deck. It's just, it's just fun. I yeah. mean, I think I think the thing that that makes Twist of Fate seem so dominant in Dark Side right now is the amount of card draw that Dark Side has available to them. Yeah. So you're sitting there as a Dark Side player with you know potentially six cards on your opponent's turn, <laughs> and they're trying to win an edge battle against that. I think if you took Twist of Fate out of the game completely, it would still feel like there was that dominant by the dark side just well, because of the current card draw. Effects. Well, see, and and I'm, I'm going to have to disagree there because I think the reason Twisted Fate is so powerful is because the dark side is able to just throw away cards and then put more cards in the edge battle. Now, if they were forced to, to play, say, Palpatine and an advisor to win that edge battle because they only had three cards and you had four and they know that they have to play those two cards in order to win the edge battle, then I think that would put them at a severe 
um, I don't want to say uh, disadvantage, that's the wrong word, but like a severe uh, kind of brick wall as in having the advantage over so many um, events in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel that Twist of Fate just completely breaks certain aspects of the game. But you know what? The game's new. It'll get better. I'm not really, really that all concerned. It's just a small rant I had because it's annoying. So I hate <laughs> so that we yeah. spent 20 minutes talking about Twist of Fate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What's Matt, next? Matt, <laughs> thoughts about uh, the last um, two sets to uh, conclude our discussion on neutral sets? Anything you want to add? Uh, I like Twist of Fate. Okay. Right. <laughs> and I like the fact that it exists because it changes the edge battle from being a, I put more cards than you did uh-huh. to hmm, he played three cards. Is one of those a twist of fate or isn't it? Because right. it's like, I think sometimes, especially early in, people play twist of fate wrong. You know, you throw down a card and then you sit there and next thing, pass. Oh, I know you played a twist of fate. So sometimes you got to mix it up. you got to throw in, right. you know, three cards. I put a Sith library in with a twist of fate just to play another card to force my opponent to play another card. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a I see its usefulness in the game, and I see why it exists. And I think right now it just seems like Darkseid has more, and it could just be because the Hoss cycle just hasn't given the light side yet, just the way the packs have been split up their twist of fate objective sets maybe. Or it might just be that Darkseid will always have more, and that's just one of the quirks between the two sides of, of the uh, the game. So who knows? But other than that, I think we've covered all the neutral sets at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's go over the spoiled cards that were spoiled, and uh, we'll wrap it up with deck talk, and we'll we'll end episode three, which was an awful movie, by the way, <laughs> just a terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. I love you because you're so beautiful. Shut up and just kill each other. <laughs> anyway, um, so I know that these cards have kind of been a, like. Uh, like the the objective set was like worst objective set in the game to oh this this set's not bad to this card's stupid because it's so expensive to oh well actually this card's good blah 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 so let's actually kind of get down to to the the meat of it um Catracel, I know that one of your f- new favorite units is the the smaller one that was uh, just spoiled so why don't why don't why don't you go over that real quick and um, we'll go from there so Cole Sarah he w- he's pretty cool. Um, I'm sorry. Think, no, no. Ma- this was no? this was this was Matt's was unit. Matt? Yeah. Oh, I like it too. <laughs> I so know, hey, but but Matt Matt, Matt Matt was freaking out about it, so I'll, I'll let him. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It's been, a, it's been a long day. <laughs> Just both of you talk at the same time. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Take it away, Matt. Okay, so we're gonna talk about Sarah. Yes. yes. All right. We'll talk. We'll start with him. So, I think this guy is amazing, and I mean, look again. Smuggler's got something amazing. What's really going to change that, depending, and I mean, hopefully we have this either in hand or full spoiled within another week or so. Um, it's still on the boat right now. But he's four cost, he's three health. He's, I mean, granted, his icons are particularly spectacular because two of them are edge dependent, but if you're not winning the edge with him anyway, what is he doing there? Right. Um, so he's got the edge one, which is you know similar to that. I think the only other unit I can think of on the top of my head is Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. Provides yep. the same kind of thing. But then it's his text. During an engagement in which you have the edge, this unit cannot be damaged or have focus tokens placed on it by enemy card effects or combat icons. So essentially, he becomes immune. And 
I was showed my friend Ben this guy last night, and I was talking about. It, I was like, wait a minute, this guy with Lando Calrissian who's coming out in Edge of Darkness next month. So let's say you've got Sarah here in play, and for whatever reason you lose that Edge battle. You know, you get twisted fate twice in a row or something by by Ketrasel. Um Lando, you pay one resource. Oh, he's out of the battle. So before he's even struck or anything, you pull him out. He hasn't. He's not exhausted because he was never part of Headington to strike. And then you send him to the next engagement, which could potentially be undefended. You automatically win the edge battle with him, and then mm-hmm. you know. So I just. I think he's a really solid unit. It's just what else is going to be in his set? Is it going to be kind of like Han set, where Han sets overall is very good, similar to the you know Vader and the Emperor, or is it going to be a bit more of a mix like a lot of the other objective sets? You know, are we going to see some weaker cards to try and balance out how good he is? Okay, uh, I mean, I think that his potential, just in general, because he has that edge one, just makes him just a super strong card, regardless of his other effect. I mean, a card that has edge one that has those icons are re- is really really strong, and he has. To, this is one. This is one of the first smuggler unit cards that have. Uh, more than two HP, so he's able to survive just a little bit longer. You know, Vader's force choke won't kill him instantly. So there's that. I mean, that alone just makes him like, yay, a light side card that doesn't have crap HP. Woohoo! So I'm really excited about that. Um, Catch yourself. I know that uh, you started talking, and I was like, no, <laughs> shut up. So <laughs> why don't you go ahead and, and go ahead and talk? So I actually think that. The potential Coursera is better as a um, a defensive unit, personally. Okay. Um, because it, it almost forces your opponent to have to win the the edge battle. Otherwise, you're sitting there with a unit that's like, ha ha ha, you can't do anything to me. I'm preventing not only unopposed damage, but I'm also benefiting, you know, the defending player's chances of winning said edge battle. Mm-hmm. So I think he, in my opinion, is a better defensive card, even with the two um, objective damage icons. Okay. Um, and I actually I hadn't even thought of the the Lando interaction map. Yeah. I really like that now. <laughs> yeah. That kind of has me excited yeah. about, about messing with that. Well, I mean, Lando, I'm really waiting for. Yeah. Lando, Lando plus with Han is going to be ridiculous Han. too. Yeah. 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 Send Han in. He shoots first. Pull him out. He shoots first again. Yeah. So Lando is going to make some uh, trickery for smugglers. So yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Plus, another thing I like about Calzera here is again he's Renegade Squadron, of course, because if you know the the history, he's leader of Renegade Squadron. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it seems like smugglers might get their own Renegade Squadron, you know, subset kind of deck thing. So we could see an all Renegade Squadron deck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same with, like, you know, uh, the Vader's TIE Advance objective set has the Black Squadron uh, uh, assault kind of uh, trait text. So there's there's also that. I mean, th- there's a lot of um, lot of cards that have a lot of interesting traits that really ha- aren't, aren't really used to its full potential yet. So I think that you definitely could be right on that. Um, I think the, the, the next card that really kind of made me go oh my gosh this is ridiculous is confronting the terror I mean okay so this card does the following this is an interrupt 
When damage is dealt to a friendly unit or objective, your opponent must instead divide that damage among any number of units or objectives he controls. So, so just a scenario here. You have a Twi'lek Loyalist out, and that's all you can play, and you're like, crap, okay, I'm going to pay one, and a Twi'lek Loyalist, and you're like, okay, I'm done. And then your opponent looks at you like, uh, okay, and you're like, I, I, I couldn't play anything. So they play Devastator, and they're like, okay, well, I'm going to attack the Devastator, and you're like, all right, confronting terror, and your opponent goes, oh. So he now has to deal four damage to his objectives and two damage to his units, which is probably going to be the Devastator and something else. And the two of the Chloe's are just kind of sitting there going, sup, bud, how's it going? <laughs> I mean, the, the potential of just making your opponent completely screw themselves over multiple times in a row is amazing. And I know it costs three, but in all honesty, Force Lightning costs three, and it's an amazing card too. So I, I, I think the trade-off is, is, is going to be amazing. Yeah, I think too. What makes it it a decent card is also the the three um, icons it has on it yeah. for um, edge battles. It's one of the higher costed edge battle cards that's not a unit. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not able to to currently play it, it still is a legitimate edge battle card. Yeah, I can agree with that. Plus, it has a really good ability. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, Matt thoughts. <laughs> Another thing that you guys haven't mentioned that I really like about this card is this card's going to make your opponent fear the Jedi having three open resources. Yeah. You might not even be playing this objective set. You might, and you know, your opponent hasn't seen anything else from this set, so they don't know it's there. Maybe they're you know, your first time playing this deck, and then you throw this out. You know, your opponent attacks you with a first turn Devastator or something. Well, that's going to be fun the first couple times. I think you play that. You know, the look on your opponent's face is just going to be priceless so yeah i think it's a really fun card although i mean you guys have covered everything else really i mean it's got three force icons a lot of people are saying three costs is expensive i don't tend to have resource issues with my jedi deck because i'm typically always got in you must go out i don't know how i always seem to draw it so i'm constantly playing free uh dagobah training grounds so really three costs i don't think it's as huge a thing as people are saying and nothing else it's going to make your opponent think hmm He's got three resources available. Does he have confronted the terror, or should I really attack with my Devastator this turn and potentially you know, end up doing a lot of damage to myself? Yeah. No, I mean, even even if he attacks with, like, Vader or something, that's or Vader with a lightsaber, that's three damage he has to spread out to his, who, to his own units. And if it's just Vader or Palpatine out or, you know, like, one or two units, then that's that, that's going to be a lot of damage uh, all, all over there. So... And plus, damaging objective is always nice to you, so it'll give you the advantage of saying, "Hey, that's less damage I have to deal to my to your objectives." Thanks for that; I appreciate that. Um, as far as the cost goes, I think people are really just kind of making this out to be too much of a big deal. The most Jedi card units in the first place don't cost that much anyway. Uh, trust your feelings only costs two. Jedi lightsaber costs one. Uh, most of the events that you're going to be playing only cost one. So I think to have a card like Force Lightning that does a significant something is is a fair cost for, for three. I mean, come on, let's be honest. If Force Lightning only costed one or two, like seriously, <laughs> come on. I don't I, I don't th- I don't think so. Um, so I honestly I, I think that this card it really will really will change the way that people play and build Jedi decks, because I think the Jedi decks are going to go into a role of uh, control 
over uh, just kind of waiting for those big units to come out. I think that we're going to see a, a meta shift uh, with within the next couple months once more cards and objective sets like this one come out. Uh, and then the, the rest the rest of these cards are just ridiculous. We have a fate card that places a shield on a targeted unit or objective with with a uh, two um, icons. We have a enhancement that places a shield on the enhanced objective you put it on, which is basically a free guardian, which is just ridiculous. And then we have the Daughters of Ali or Ali or Aya Aliyah. Aliyah, thank you. Allah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is a two for two, which isn't bad. It has two force icons, which also is really, really good. It has an edge-dependent uh, tactic, which I love tactics because... Honestly, the, the light side does have an easier time of, of winning those those uh, edge battles than, than the rebels do. And it's reaction. After you commit this unit to the forest, remove one damage from each. From each. Not just one. Each objective you control. That is huge. Oh my god. That is ridiculous. So you put both of these out on the field, and they, don't, they can't die with just a single force choke. There has to be Vader out on the field for that. There has to be – they have to have at least two Force Chokes in hand to get rid of them before you're able to actually commit them to the Force. So playing these just before, say, uh, the, the Dark Side is about to attack again, and you play two of them, you commit both of them, and that's two damage removed from each objective, which could be a game changer right there. I think that this objective set – also keep in mind that we have not seen the last card. Yeah, we have. Um, there's two daughters of aliens. Oh, daughters. Oh, oh, there's two. Okay, that's right. That's right. Okay, I got excited there for a second. <laughs> um, so, okay, so there, there's two daughters, which is four. Four in your entire deck, which is just ridiculous. And I think it would be really cool if there was some Jedi card that says remove this person from the Force, and then you could recommit them or something. I don't know. Maybe that'll be a card. <laughs> but do you guys feel that this objective set is um, has potential for for uh, a new Jedi deck, or do you think that we're still going to see the really boring Han Smuggler's Den deck? I think that um, overall, the, the objective set as a whole um, helps out against um, the Stark Navy deck yep. um, and, and other more aggressive uh, dark side decks. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the weaknesses of the Jedi deck. So this patches up a hole that they've kind of had where they, they take a while to set up. You know, they're going to get hit for some damage um, against their objectives. And I think this objective set as a whole helps patch that hole. I also think that um, knowledge and defense, the actual objective itself, has a very, very good ability on it where if something is destroyed, it goes back to your hand. Yeah. So it's like, oh... Force lightnings, those don't hurt quite as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I really am excited for the way Jedi are actually going because it's going to go the way of you, you're not going to need a lot of resources to play things. I, I know that's a big problem with the 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 Jedi light side decks is you got to have resources to play things because you rely too much on Luke, Obi Wan, Han Solo, uh, and Yoda. I mean. Honestly, the, the, the Jedi decks are nothing without those units. Um, at my local card shop today, I play, was playing a couple games, and my opponent would lose Yoda, Luke, or Ben, and just completely not be able to do anything. And I would just kind of sit there and 
watch the dial slowly tick up or attack with Palpatine and just completely focus the entire board. So I think that we're going to see the Jedi rely on smaller, low-cost units to be very, very effective rather than going, man, I really wish I had Han Solo with Trust Your Feelings out or I wish I had Luke with a lightsaber or blah, blah, blah. I think we're going to see smaller units really kind of take the field. Yeah, I agree, and I said something similar in the thread I started on CardGameDB that I could see there possibly being a change or a move to a different style of Jedi, where they, you know, a Jedi weenie deck, for lack of better terminology, um, just because of, like, we've got the Daughters of Aaliyah this month, last month we had Goldo Outcast, they both cost two, unless I'm completely mistaken, and um, the Daughters of Aaliyah just went up a few notches in my book because I completely misread the card the first time I read that and thought it only removed one damage not <laughs> each objective yeah that's and uh, that yeah. plus knowledge and defense so you know if your opponent does you know force choke invaders reaction the daughters to get them out so they can you know take the force back or you know however they kill it so your daughters are gone but if you've got knowledge and defense out they go back in your hand you play them again mm-hmm. and again they're healing all your objectives for one yeah. Uh, damage. So I mean, that's yeah. They're uh, like these guys, plus last month's uh, self-preservation set, which was kind of you know a, a shield slash control the light side, or the control the force rather, focus set. These are two very good support sets, and then you know have a, I I don't know. I probably put Luke, Yoda, and then probably Obi Wan or something like that. Right. And you know that could be an interesting deck. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean because. I, I really think that we are going to see the the way that the Jedi play just completely change. Because, you know, right now we're, we're relying on the Guardians and, and Protect and Lightsaber Deflection and making sure that all of our units stay alive. But with the way things are going, it's like, okay, we're going to get shielding out. We're going to get a bunch of just tactics on, you know, units with Jedi Mind Trick. And we're going to get just... and. I really just think that the the Jedi are just going to be play completely different, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Nate, any uh, other thoughts on the uh, the cards that we're we talked about? I think that pretty much covers everything awesome. that I was thinking of. Alrighty, well, um, we were going to do a deck talk this week, but the decks that we uh, all tested for the neutral sets were just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, they were just like like. I made one that was all neutral for the Rebel side and was just like, wow, this is really bad. This is not work. Like, uh, Shriggs can attest to this when he's uh, here in two weeks. But he was just like, wow, I, I, you can't do anything. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just, like, I, I, most of the time I just kind of sat there and was like, oh, there goes that unit. There goes that unit. Okay, you're going to force choke that one. Hey, I got Luke out. Oh, fine. He's dead too. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awful. And then I know me and uh, Nate tried doing a... Uh, neutral bounty hunter deck and whoo those that were oh that was so bad it was so terrible <laughs> i won the game that we played you with did. but oh it was just, it, it, was just, it never should have won it never the no, game it really ever. it was just it was just bad it was just oh, it was fun though it was a really fun deck yeah yeah th- th- those decks are fun um matt i know that you played with catrasel a little bit uh did you have a chance to test any fun neutral decks i didn't do something crazy and have like an all neutral deck like you guys did, which <laughs> now sounds kind of fun just to try. But my rebel deck, I mean, it's it's all Hoth, so it's got Renegade Squadron mobilization, prepare for evacuation, Hoth operations. It's got one copy of sensors are placed, mostly as a placeholder because it's Hoth, but 
it does have those unique cloth enhancements, which were surprisingly useful. And then it's got three neutral objectives, two copies of Preparation for Battle, and one copy of Echo-Based Defense, which we kind of covered earlier. So, I mean, that was... That was... it. Both games I've played with that deck, I played it last night against Ben, and then the night before against Catcher Cell, and both games were down to the last turn, either win now or I lose, and it just, the deck kind of fizzled, and I just couldn't push through that last little bit of damage. So, Yeah, it's, again, I, I think that neutral sets are just going to really just be really situational. I think we're going to see them being played eventually, maybe more so in the multiplayer yeah. side of the game, I think. I, I think that that's where, where neutral sets will, will, will really shine, in all honesty. Is is some of the uh, the multiplayer stuff that that'll be going coming out in the lo- the later year, uh, but I mean yeah it's just uh, I actually was really hoping that we could like say hey we found this new crazy awesome deck it's really cool but yeah that they were they, they were just <laughs> bad they're just don't don't try it but um, as far as uh, the deck of the week um, Ketrasel I think that we're gonna use the one that you texted me. With the rebels and the scum and or scum and villainy, the smugglers <laughs> and spies, uh, the one that was doing some some uh, regional uh, wins, and yeah. uh, the objective sets were uh, rebel fleet, defensive Yavin four, questionable contacts, renegade squadron mobilization, and prep for evacuation. Obviously, two of each. Um, I was able to test this at my local game store, and it wasn't terrible. But let me just say, I almost lost to a trooper deck. <laughs> yeah, and just so everybody knows, it was actually uh, Red Rupee that posted it on, okay, on the thank forums you. the other day. Awesome. Um, or earlier on the 16th. Awesome. Um, and he got, I think, top four is okay. what he said with the decks. Okay. Um, but it was an interesting looking deck, and I was like, hey, yeah, I, talk about this. It, it, ha- it has potential, and um, I think that we'll, we'll definitely talk about a lot more in depth uh in next episode, because I'm, I'm definitely going to be testing this uh, with Matt and uh, Nate uh, over the next two weeks, because it's 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 really cool, but I feel that it's missing something, or it needs a couple tweaks, like maybe take out Han and Rebel Fleet and, and put in something else. But uh, for the most part, it, like it had a lot of really neat tricks, but uh, it was just kind of just an odd deck to play. Then again, you know, I haven't had a lot of time <laughs> to really play with it yet, so. Um, Anyway, guys, we are we're um, approaching time, and Matt, was there something you wanted to say yeah, before we close? Yeah, two other things I want to talk about real briefly. Red Rupee posted a deck earlier today, and he actually won the regional in Pennsylvania, it looks like, mm-hmm. at six feet under games. He won yesterday. It's Rebel Fleet, Defensive Yavin for Questionable Contacts, Renegade Squadron Mobilization, and Prepare for Evacuation. Which is the one we just went over. Okay, that's the same one. So yeah. he actually won with that deck. He didn't oh, did he? Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was okay. it won or tied. Yeah, it's in the win- regional winners thread on uh, Card Game DB. Awesome. And we should probably real briefly talk about last episode's uh, deck talk deck, the uh, Jedi control deck that's kind of been attributed to you, Baz. Yeah, I mean, and it's our results with that. Well, I guess we I guess we can go over that real quick. I don't want to go too long here because uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, as, as far as that deck goes, I think it has potential. I just think that it's not there yet. And like you said, I think that this next objective set coming out is probably going to push it to having a little bit more potential. 
the the main problem was is keeping the force is really difficult <laughs> because you're like if you're not able to get out Obi-Wan Kenobi or uh, if you're running Yoda, you're not. If you're not able to get one of those two, it's really kind of hard to keep the force once Palpatine and Vader get out there. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that. I think that it still has a lot of potential. I think the Godal Outcast are way, way overlooked, and you know, just instantly, oh, well, they don't have an icon, so they suck. No, they have two icons that commit to the force, plus the objective set itself gives each unit committed to the force an extra icon which is way better than tra uh, Jedi training that just contributes one. So if you have Yoda, a Guardian, and another Guardian come into the Force, they each get one extra icon, which is a huge deal. So as far as synergy goes, I think it works great, but I think that we're just not there yet. I'd agree. Um, I played it a few times over the last couple of days, and uh, the one game where I did win with that deck it wasn't really using anything that was specific to that deck it was just kind of generic jedi big guy stuff but one thing i will say is that the soresu training that gives uh the plus one damage capacity in the shield that card was amazing i had luke with soresu training trust your feelings old ben's spirit and all that and he was just a tank so awesome. soresu training i mean it only i think a lot of people overlook it but that plus one damage capacity, I mean, it doesn't seem like much, but it's, it made a bit of a difference on keeping Luke on the table just for one more turn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate, did you have a chance to test it at all? Um, not really, um, because I was messing around with a different version right. of Jedi deck. Which, which we will not reveal yet, because we're not entirely sure it's even worth mentioning yet. So. Well, it is worth mentioning because I'm writing an article about it. Oh, you son of a... <laughs> All righty. Well, you know what? Uh, we'll talk about it on next week's show then. Uh, I don't want to keep our audiences uh, any any longer, really. So uh, let's do shout-outs and, uh, and close the show up. Um, Matt, go ahead. Uh, Shout-out to my wife and my children for uh, you know giving me Father's Day today and making me breakfast and hey. everything. So yay to my family. And... Other than that, shout out to uh, my somewhat local gaming store down in Halifax, Monster Comics. It's an amazing store. If you're ever in Nova Scotia like that, it's definitely the place to hit up. So shout out to them. They're all great guys and great customer service. And even though it's an hour to an hour and a half away sometimes, it's still the store I go to just because of the customer service I get. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Nate? So let's see. I'm going to first give a shout out to my local gaming store as well. Um, it's The Dugout. Um, it's in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, the owner has been very gracious and actually started ordering Star Wars stuff. Awesome. Um, I'm the only one that buys it currently. So he's actually ordering it specifically just for me, which I think is very awesome. That's awesome. Um, if anyone is ever in North Carolina, over towards the Asheville side, and wants to stop by, um, contact me on the forums, and I will make a... Uh, special guest appearance at my local game store. Um, my other shout-out is to all the listeners and readers of both this podcast and No Disintegrations. Thank all of you. Okay, awesome. And uh, my shout-out would be to my wife once again. And, uh, you know, she's she's allowing me to uh, fill my, my nerdy habit, which is always nice. 
And uh, shout out to my father, who's been a very, very uh, big inspiration in my life. Uh, thanks, Dad. I, I really appreciate you just kind of teaching me um, what it kind of means to, to be a good husband and a good father. So thanks, thanks, Daddy. I appreciate you. And uh, shout out to my local gaming store as well. Yay, shameless plugging. It's so much fun. <laughs> uh, Checkmate Games, um, they, uh, they're, you know, they're... They're slow on getting things and getting things rolling, but once they do, they you know they're eventually you know supportive and whatnot. So they're they're slowly starting to get there. So big shout out to them for you know allowing the ten or so players that we have there uh, uh, every two weeks to to really just be uh, a good thing. So um, that's really all the shout outs I got. Um, Matt, I know that we have contact info to give away. So that's right. So if you want to contact uh, any of us who are participants on the Table Flip Podcast, you can interact with us via Facebook at Table Flip Podcast. So it's facebook.com slash Table Flip Podcast, all one word, of course. Or you could email the show. Our email is tableflip at outlook.com. Uh, other than that, you can also contact any of us via uh, private messaging on either the FFG boards or on CardGameDB using the usernames uh, we gave you earlier. And other than that, that is the end of episode three. And as always, may the force be with you.